Sips talks to inspirational and influential people to find out about their drinking journeys. Hosted by me, Emily Cyphers, founder of Sober and Social. I will talk to guests at all stages of their journey, offering different insights and perspectives from struggles to successes. Sober Sips gives you story and substance. Okay, before we get started, I wanted to tell you about Kalenio, as they are one of my favourite non-alcoholic spirits. Kalenio are tropical non-alcoholic spirits who are all about bringing joy to not drinking. Inspired by the vibrant and energetic culture of Colombia, their spirits are a great tasting alternative to alcohol. I personally love getting creative and making my own Kalenio cocktails at home. Thank you Kalenio for sponsoring this series. This week we're speaking to Andy Brown, lead singer of boy band Lawson, photographer and father. We talk about defining moments, the music industry and difficult times in sobriety. Let's dive in. Hello Andy Brown, how are you today? Hello, I'm good thanks, how are you? I'm very good thank you. Uh, Welcome to the Sober Sips podcast. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. Um, how is life going for you at the moment after this? Well, we're still in quite a bizarre time, but obviously 2020 was particularly bizarre. Yeah, it's been crazy, to be honest. It's been a bit um, surreal. To be honest, first lockdown was, yeah, like a, a shot to the system. But then the other lockdowns, I was sort of working anyway throughout. So it kind of didn't feel any different to me because I was in the studio and I'm also a photographer as well, so I've been doing shoots as normal, really. So it hasn't massively affected me, to be honest, but the first one was definitely a shock to the system. How about yourself? Yeah, I kind of felt like that. And especially as I kind of went back to live with my parents as well on lockdown one, which kind of at 30, you don't really think you'll be going back to live back <laughs> with your parents. <laughs> you know, like you've kind of only gone to visit for Christmas, haven't you? For like two weeks at a time or something. And then you're suddenly... Uh, Get you a bit know, of cabin fever. Months- <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so no it was lovely to spend time with them but it was um not really where you think you're going to be at at 30 back in with your parents but anyway it was definitely a a reflective time I feel did you sure. feel the same yeah definitely absolutely and for me as well I've got a three-year-old son so it was a good chance to spend more time with him because I'm working so much that I don't usually get to spend as much time with him as I'd like. So mm. I suppose you can see that as a positive and a negative for some dads, to be fair, because they'd be like, oh, my God, like four weeks or three months with a three-year-old every single day is hard work. and uh, No nursery, no school, nothing like that. But I really enjoyed it, to be honest. It was really good fun. So, uh, So that was definitely a positive that came out of it, that's for sure. So thank you for coming on today. I want to like bring you back because I actually just find it really interesting, like how people kind of started off in their life and how they got from where they were to basically how, well, where you are now. Mm-hmm. So I just wondered, like, where did you grow up and what, what was that like? So I grew up up north. Uh, I spent, well, born and bred in Liverpool really all my life. So I lived in Liverpool till I was maybe 20, 21. Even went to uni in Liverpool and lived in Liverpool away from my mum and dad. So it wasn't too far from them. So I could take my washing home every weekend from my mum, basically. That was the uh, that was the logic behind that. So yeah, I spent all my life in Liverpool and just uh, moved to London probably when I was about 21, 22. And I'm, uh, I'm 33 now, so I've lived in London probably for like the last 
12 years, 11 years, something like that. And that's sort of been my journey, really. I started doing gigs. Obviously, music's been majority of my life, really. So I started playing gigs around Liverpool when I was like 16, 17, playing all the pubs and clubs and stuff and loads of different bands. And then when I decided I wanted to take it seriously and getting a famous band as such um <laughs> that's when I moved to London and tried to pursue that dream basically amazing so was that something that you always wanted to do from a young age you're like right this is me I'm gonna be a singer I'm gonna try every which way I can until this happens or was there a backup plan no not really no to be honest for me I was, it was I was a bit like Zach Efron in High School Musical I don't know if you've watched that but it's like I was like playing football, like I was all about football. Like my dad was like played football to an amazing standard. My brother played football to an amazing standard. So I was like next in line, you know. So I played football a lot and I was like playing for some really great teams in the county and stuff growing up. But in my spare time, I'd be like sneaking off and singing like Westlife songs, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But not telling any of my friends. So like I'd be like, you know, I'd be like popular in school, like playing footy and stuff. And then like, you know, if I had like a free period, I'd be in the music room on the piano singing like Flying Without Wings, you know. So uh, that was kind of what I was doing. And, and to be like fair, music wasn't really on my radar until I started playing guitar. I started playing guitar when I was 10. I think my family could just see then that, that I was destined to do that rather than be a footballer. And I just sort of playing football less and playing more of guitar and just doing more music. So that sort of took over then. Mm, well, I think you made a good choice with that. Thank just you. out of interest, if you were going to play football, was it Liverpool? Was that the, was oh, that the dream? Of course. Like literally my whole family are just mad Liverpool fans, which is funny because I actually played for Everton when I was a child. So I'm not sure how that would have turned out really. But yeah, Liverpool, yeah, that's just my team. So that would have been the dream. Oh, well, at least you can go cheer them on from the sidelines still without actually having to Take. Not at the moment. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> soon, though. Soon, hopefully. Yeah. Soon. soon you'll be, yeah, back in the stadium wa- waving your flag. Absolutely. So, were you in any bands before Lawson? Like, tell me how you actually got to Lawson. Yeah, I was in loads of bands, honestly. I played in. I played in Beatles tribute bands. I played in 60s rock and roll bands. I've been in other boy bands. I've, like, literally done loads of stuff. And I just knew none of them were really, like, what I was destined to do in the long run. So basically I, I moved to London and I was like, right, I'm going to put a band together. You know, I want to sing and play guitar and, 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 and write the songs. I want a drummer, bass player, guitarist. So I just went on my way and just like Facebook and MySpace at the time was really big. So I used to troll those sites and just try and look for people. And I ended up finding a really cool drummer on MySpace, funnily enough. And then, and then I basically just said to him, do you know any guitarists? Do you know any bass players? And then that's how we sort of formed the band. It was all me and Adam, the drummer, met. And then basically he knew people that formed the rest of the band. So mm-hmm. that's how we formed. And then we basically just like, yeah, just locked ourselves away in a rehearsal room for like a year or two and just literally just played together. And it was, we were pretty awful, to be honest, at first. We were, we were dreadful. We were like, well, maybe this, maybe we're just not a very good band, you know? And then <laughs> one day it just like, clicked and it just something happened and we were like well actually yeah we we're pretty good now so and then we ended up signing a record deal and yeah the rest is history really well there we go well two things I picked up from there a MySpace uh where is MySpace now (laughs) (laughs) I know where is it because it was such a good hub oh it was so good I loved it I was going through an emo stage when I was on uh on MySpace what uh song did you have as your um your profile song when you first went on can you remember some oh it's the disco band with they were really emo 
Okay, okay. Panic at the Disco. Yes, thank you. Yes, okay. Panic at the Disco. The disco band. Okay, love it. Who, love it. who okay. don't play any disco music, just to confirm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. They're great. They're, they're great. So that was your that was your emo phase, was it? Growing up. Yeah, I definitely had a panic uh, at the disco phase. Did you like Fallout Boy and stuff like that as well? I did like Fallout Boy as well. Yes. Yes. Nice. Obviously, nice. it didn't stick with me that much because I can't even remember their name. But I'm really? sure. <laughs> but I'm sure at the time, I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> the disco band works, you know. It's fine. <laughs> well, it works. Yeah, that was a bit like a game, wasn't it? That you play at Christmas or something. <laughs> yeah, where you hold the thing on your head. Yeah. To be honest, I thought I did well there, the disco band. I'm like thinking like disco band, like they must play like dance music. They must play like disco style music. Anyway, yeah, they're a great band. I love Planet of the Disco. If we ever need to play charades, I'm definitely having you on my team. <laughs> love that. <laughs> um, and also how um, persistence and practice is key in in the music world really and how that I feel like if you really want something, you should just go for it even if at the beginning, like you said, you didn't even feel that you were particularly good, but obviously, you know, dedicating yourself really paid off. 100%. And I think that's the same in any industry, isn't it? You know, if, if, if you work at something and work at something, you know, you will achieve it. As long as you're not totally awful. Do you know what I mean? It's like, like for instance, if my mum wanted to be an opera singer, I'd be like, mum, you could practice for 20 years and you're still going to be awful because she's tone deaf. But yeah, there's definitely you know I mean? um, a point where you have to be realistic as well, isn't there? Whereas it's <laughs> yeah. like, look, yeah. babe, this is never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I had people tell me that about Lawson. Like, you know, literally I was, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time who I was like in love with and she left me because I think she was probably like, this ain't going to happen for him. He's, he's he's holding on to a dream that's just unrealistic. And I was like, I'm going to prove all of you wrong. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, we went on to do awesome things. So as you say, practice makes perfect. Persistence is key. And um, yeah, if you really want something, you know, you can achieve it 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I also think someone, what was it I read the other day? Like you only fail if you stop. And I actually really like that. Because the fact that every day, if you can just get up and do something that is closer to your dream, like 1% closer to your dream, you're closer to your dream. And I really kind of rate that. Absolutely. Great motto. Yeah, it is a good motto. Uh, but I'm actually going to come to your motto later on. So if you'd like to get thinking about that, that would be good. Okay, nice. Can you tell us where the name Lawson came from? So the name Lawson is the name of a surgeon, basically, who did a huge operation on me when I was about 20. So I had a brain tumor when I was 20. And um, Dr. Lawson was the wonderful man who operated on me and who, who saved my life, basically. So we thought, you know, who else but to name the band after, really, than, you know, mm. some someone of that magnitude, really. So he's just an incredible man, basically. And, you know, not just saved my life, saved, you know, thousands of lives. So, you know, just... Um, for us, it was an honour to, to name after him. Yeah, that's such an amazing tribute to, well, A, someone that saved your life, but also, like, such a difficult period in your life, I would imagine. And it's yeah. what, something that you hear of people getting, but probably one of those things that we all think, oh, it won't happen to us, and especially at such a young age, I think that's a very defining moment in your life, really. 100%. I mean, as you say, it's exactly that, isn't it? It's you know, you don't think these things are going to happen to you, but mm. they do happen to someone, you know? So it's, and, and when that does happen, it's just how you deal with it, I suppose. And, you know, as I said, I, I count myself really lucky because 
the tumour that I had was just a benign tumour, so it wasn't cancerous. Mm. So it could be operated on and it could be removed. Obviously, there was a lot of complications involved and it was it was life-threatening. But, you know, one of my best friends, for instance, has just been told he's got brain cancer, terminal brain cancer, you know, and people mm-hmm. are hearing that news every single day. So it's like, for me, I, I just saw myself as being lucky, really. Um, but, yeah, Dr. Lawson is, a, is an amazing man and, you know, he he he's just inspiring to be honest so I just thought it would be great to name it after him I'm assuming uh Dr Lawson knows that Lawson is named after him as well yeah he knows yeah he was like a bit of a local celebrity for a while actually um, <laughs> when when Lawson had we had when we had songs in the charts um people yeah you people I think people in the hospital he's like are you named after that band that had in the charts at the moment I think he was like yes well you know actually I am I think he was sort of uh quite modest about it but I think he quite loved that to be honest yeah I've already did wonders for his street cred I'd imagine yeah there's not many surgeons really that can say that can they it's not you know two things that you'd kind of put together being you know in the top 20 UK charts and and being a a surgeon <laughs> I know I know it's crazy I think he was yeah quite flattered to be fair but um you know it's uh, a lot of people just thought that was our name you know like we were called I was called like Andy Lawson or one of the lads was called Lawson you know mm. yeah but it's we wanted just a you know a story that meant something really so that's why we ended up going for that yeah well it went it went down very well and worked out very well in in both scenarios yes. so that's good yes so I want to talk about being in a boy band basically because it is perceived to be quite wild being in a boy band can you confirm or deny that I think we had our moments you know I think it depends what type of person you are but we 100% had our moments there's definitely times where I'd look down on myself and thought how the hell am I in this situation you know like mm. for instance like being in Dublin and partying with you know the Edge and Bono from the U2 or being in LA and partying with Hollywood superstars and stuff and you'd feel like how the how the hell did I get here you know I'm just a, a normal lad from Liverpool and um so yeah we definitely had our moments and it could be it could be wild if you allowed yourself it to be like the opportunities are very large to do basically whatever you want I've always had quite a lot of willpower so I'm I'm able to say no a lot to things but I know people who, who can't say no and, and you know, they, they can go down different roads um, and it can lead to some crazy wild times. But we definitely had the options for it. And yes, I'd say we were wild at times and, you know, other times we were a bit more civilised. So. Okay, well, you know, uh, throwing TVs out of a hotel room or, you know, not going to sleep for five days or, or anything like that. We had a little bit of that. Yeah, we had a little bit of that, definitely. We were 20, in our early 20s, four young lads, you know, we had just had success on large scale you know we were playing huge gigs huge arenas all over the world so yeah we did we did get carried away sometimes but and you know sometimes I look back and think I can't believe I did that and cringe a bit or whatever but it's like I suppose they're just the things that you do when you're young and you know you have a bit of success don't you you know so I mean I can tell you now if I was 22 in a boy band I'd be an absolute nightmare (laughs) (laughs) would you be a diva don't know if I'd be a diva um but I would 
definitely be partying every night and hitting it hard. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was doing that and I wasn't in a boy band. So God forbid, <laughs> <laughs> who only knows where I would have been if I was in a boy band at 22. <laughs> Needed no you know encouragement. <laughs> most people most people are living that life in their 20s. Especially if you're living in London and you're a young, yeah. single person, you know, most people are going out and hitting it hard. So as you say, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of acceptable i suppose but um yeah i would have liked to have seen seen that from you i can imagine you were making all sorts of demands and dressing room requirements you think or what do you reckon maybe you would have had quite a big rider (laughs) (laughs) if i'm honest (laughs) a pa like you know what i mean you'd be having all that maybe we didn't have any of that stuff we were just like nah whatever whatever yeah i mean maybe it would be a bit different like now do you think that maybe do you think it has changed? I just don't know. I mean, you know what? I think we, we're we just chilled lads. You know, if you met all four, we'd just be like, oh, they're just really chilled boys, you know, just down to earth lads. Like, we, we never really came from a background of that. We just we were just four lads from little villages all over the UK. But, you know, you see people, I, I have seen people who have been like, yeah, you know, you're a bit of a diva or whatever. But it's not necessarily the artist sometimes. It's usually the teams around the artist. Because mm. they'll have like, 20 an entourage of like 20 people and you'd be looking at them thinking what what do half of those people do for one and they're just like ordering people around and it's like part of the time it's not the artists themselves you know so you get lost lost in this like success bubble I suppose and it's like you know you you end up doing stupid things I don't know but I don't feel like we were ever like that to be honest and I do think probably just naturally in that industry it, it is quite ego based isn't it there's lots of egos floating around and it can be and especially when people I think when you start to be successful people probably are just saying yes to you the whole time you're going to different countries you're probably getting lots of female attention like all all of these different things easily gets get swept up on I think of course and as I said before it all depends what type of person you are I suppose you know if you're able Mm. to sort of just keep keep yourself level-headed good family around you and stuff like that which I feel like I've got so you know if I ever sort of acted like that I feel like my dad would just give me a slap you know and just say who do you think you are sort of thing so so yeah we were lucky that we had that grounding you know that that family around us to keep us grounded yeah 100% yeah 100% and I also just think it's just being a good human isn't it just treat people with respect be kind to people and be as loving as you can 100% absolutely so you are currently teetotal Yes. Tell me about what led you to be teetotal. A couple of things, really. I had a couple of health issues. So I had a liver issue mm-hmm. about six years ago. So I, I basically my liver sort of feel like it just packed in. Um, so it's sort of um, I was in hospital with that for a, a few months because I'd, I'd sort of got myself into a bad way, really. So that was sort of like a life turning point for me. I was like, you know, I had a life threatening illness with the liver like you know even the doctors were like literally two more days and you could have been dead basically if you wouldn't have if we wouldn't have fixed this problem basically so that was a turning point for me in terms of okay I need to I need to change my lifestyle I need to not drink anymore and that's what I did I just made it as I said to you earlier a guy's got very strong willpower I feel like I've lived my life by that so I just said to myself you know I'm not going to drink anymore and that meant me having to sacrifice a lot, not only drink, but I also feel like I had to sacrifice um, other things too, like friendships and, and you know, just work stuff as well that I feel like 
if you drink can push you on, you know? Um, so I do feel like I had to sacrifice a lot. But, you know, for me, I kind of feel like it wasn't a choice. I feel like I just had to do it because mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been alive, basically. Yeah, I think when it comes to not drinking, there are so many different routes as to how people get to that point. And obviously, you mm. probably had your kind of wilder heyday. And, you know, at the end of the day, when something's life-threatening, yeah, you don't have any choice. It's kind of not about what you enjoy or not about what you like anymore. It's about what you have to do in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can imagine, like, having to, yeah, not do that in the in the industry that you're in. And just, I think, in general, it is a difficult decision to have to make because it does affect kind of every area of your life. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, like, friendships, did you how did you feel like people reacted or was it more that you weren't maybe as in alignment with these people as perhaps you were when you had been drinking? Like, what was it about the friendships you found hard? Well, you just kind of feel like, you know, when you've gone from being like the life and soul of the party and, you know, right there in the the midst of it all to then not be able to do that, I then just feel like you miss out on a lot of, you miss out on a lot, you know, a lot of memories and, you know, I feel like also my friends are like, oh, we wouldn't ask Andy because we wouldn't want to put him in that situation. Like, for instance, like a stag do, you know, if all my mates were going to Prague on a stag do, that's just not something that I would be able to do. Like, I just couldn't go out there and be sober. I just don't think I could do it because I'd be surrounded by all my best mates, drinking, having an amazing time. And for me, that's just temptation that I don't need. Mm. I just prefer to not surround myself with that. I prefer to just be like, listen, I love you as a best mate. You know, I'll be there on your wedding day. And, you know, maybe we could do a little thing, me and you, like go to a little spa weekend or something, you know. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm not going to go to Prague and and, and, and and watch 15 of my best mates get on the lash, basically. So I suppose I just miss out on opportunities like that and I miss mm. out on memories. Um, and that's kind of hurts a little bit. And, and then you kind of fall down the pecking order, don't you, of where you stand in your friendship groups, you know. But I think all my friends understand because it was such a, a life-threatening thing that I had. But for me, obviously, it's, you know, it is um, it is quite painful still, that. Mm, yeah, I think that can be really tricky. When you go out with someone and you're drinking and you're learning all about each other and, and also meeting new people. You know, when you meet new people, you go for a beer and, you know, you chat and, you know, the next day you're like, oh, I had an amazing night with them last night. And you're never going to have that again, I suppose. But you also said before as well that, that that was true for me that I'm 33 now. So it's not like I haven't lived that life, you know, so that makes it a bit easier for me. Mm. I've lived all my 20s basically drinking, you know, from 18 till 25, 26. And that's a long time still. So I did in that time make up for it. You know, if I was 21 now and I'd quit drinking, I'd probably be like, well, I'm going to miss out on so many amazing memories, but I kind of feel like I'm old enough to sort of accept it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So how old were you when you did go sober? Well, I've been sober six years and I'm now 33. So... Twenty-seven. We'll say twenty-seven because um, yeah, my uh, mass has never been my strong point. (laughs) Twenty-seven. Yeah, twenty-seven. Let's go with twenty-seven. Twenty-eight. Yeah. Twenty-seven and a half. Yeah, exactly. Just to be on the safe side, just in case one of our math is a bit out. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I still feel like at 27, you've still got a lot of drinking time in you there, haven't you? Well, I went sober when I was 27, I think, as well. Same age? Yeah, 28, maybe. Okay. Let's say 27 and a half, because I don't really remember. (laughs) But... (laughs) 
um, around that age, yeah, I and I worked in nightlife as well when I went sober. So kind of, I kind of get the kind of like, that's what kind of you're expected to do and probably similar to the music industry in terms of like the people that you're kind of surrounding yourself with. Mm-hmm. And it is quite difficult as well when you've almost given yourself this kind of party persona and that's how people Mm. know you and then you kind Mm -hmm. of then have to reintroduce yourself as a new person that people are like hang on a minute like aren't we going out till 8 a.m and you're like no no I'm I'm actually going to bed at 10 p.m and and it's all a bit it's Mm. it's such an adjustment period for people when you have been like the life and soul of the party and 100% I probably was such an enabler if I'm honest like I was always making people stay out later or just go to another party it'll be fine you know that type of vibe 100% same here and then when you're not that person anymore it I think it can be difficult for people to adjust to the new version of yourself yeah absolutely I'm the same I'm that I'm that person oh you're going home already oh let down do you know what I mean it's like that's just that's just the mentality isn't it the drinking mentality you want to stay out as long as possible have a great time so as you say it's a huge adjustment for other people as well not just yourself yeah and also just figuring yourself out I think in like social situations or friendships or even relationships Mm -hmm. were you already in a relationship with Joey when you'd gone sober yeah so we were we were together and I think for Joey it was probably the best thing that ever happened Mm. because I don't think she particularly liked drunk Andy very much, you know, because, you know, she she probably, she could go a night sometimes where she wouldn't hear from me till three in the morning and then I'd just stroll in and, you know, stuff like that. So I think mm. for her, she was like, yes, she was like delighted that I'd gone sea total because it was like, right, I don't have to put up with that anymore. I mean, we 100% wouldn't be together now if I was, if I was still drinking, that's for sure. Yeah, it's... It is, you know, fascinating when you actually reflect post your drinking and like how you how you are now and for me I I do definitely feel like completely a different person and like they were two different people mm. and it was almost like my drunk self wasn't really in alignment with that with actually my true self mm. but do you ever miss drunk Emily though do you ever miss drunk you or not do you think that person's just like not good news or what I came to learn was that probably a hundred percent of my regrets was through drinking and drug taking. Like yeah. I since I've been sober, I don't look at any situation and be like, Oh, I wish I didn't do that, or that was really embarrassing, or you know, mm. I've always turned up on time, like I've become more reliable, I've definitely become kinder, like being more aware of myself, more aware of other people. And also you make decisions with a clear mind, don't you? Yeah. So really you can't regret it because nothing is affecting your decision-making process. It's just you as a person. So really you can't regret those choices that you've made because you're in a sound mind and you think, well, yeah, I did that because I I, I felt like that was the right thing to do. Mm. You know, whereas when you're drunk, you kind of lose the difference between right and wrong, don't you? And you think, well, oh God, like I never should have done that. Like, and then you wake up, as you say, full of regret and I used to get severe phone anxiety, you know, like looking at my phone in the morning thinking like, God, who have I, who have I text? Who have I upset? Like who, what have I done? You know what I mean? And having to send out text, apology texts and stuff like that to people. Yeah, hundred percent. And actually not behave that morally. Like when I was drunk, like mm. I would not feel good about myself in the morning. And like some of the things that I did, like I just would never do them when I was sober. Mm. And some of the things that I would say to people, like I just, 
I just wouldn't. And I think, like, I would go out with anyone if they were drinking. Same. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it wouldn't bother me. Like, I just wanted yeah, to yeah. go drink and go on a night out and have fun. Mm. Whereas now, I think in my sobriety, like, I feel like my time and my energy and the people that I surround myself with are really important. So I don't just want to go out with anyone for an hour and, and sure. talk and talk a load of bollocks essentially <laughs> I want to yeah no it's so true <laughs> I want to go have more you know of like a, more of like a friend snob basically that's what I'm a massive friend snob yeah I, I like that I like that phrase actually yeah. a friend snob. yeah yeah like I'm a huge friend snob me like you know like I will like yeah like if you're going to be my friend do you know what I mean I'm just not but but old Andy drunk Andy like you said I would have yeah like I remember one time I was in Sweden uh, with the band and everyone had gone home and I was just like wandering the club by myself just looking for a friend do you know what I mean just looking for anyone to drink with <laughs> like anyone and then I ended up clinging on to this other group of people and even they, they said to me like go home mate do you know what I mean like, you... <laughs> and then I think that hit home a bit I actually like a tiny bit of sober Andy just like came into my head and thought oh my god like I'm this guy <laughs> I mean, I've definitely been in that situation as well, if that makes you feel any better. And almost even at the time you can feel it, you can almost feel, I can't believe that I'm like left here with these <laughs> random people that I'm never going to see again. It's 8am and... Just clinging on. But what 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 are you clinging on to? That's the thing. I mean, not... I honestly don't know. I mean, the worst is when it's three days later. I had some situations when it was three days later. You're like, hmm. how on earth am I still here? And who are these people? And <laughs> no, that's hardcore. That is hardcore. I didn't do any three-day bender. I couldn't do that sort of thing because the band, like, we would be doing something, you know, like where like, I had to be live on TV singing or something like that. So, like... For me, it was just always like one night binges, you know, and then like a few nights off and then another night again. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, those like three, four night, five night benders, you know, that is like, that's a big, that's a big one. It, it was quite big. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but imagine, imagine how you felt after the one day. You can only imagine how you would feel after three days. Yeah, the hangovers must have been real. I mean in like the deep dark depths of your soul yeah kind yeah, of hangover yeah. when you just start you start really just feeling low yeah exactly yeah. but you know i just don't have a stop button i don't either i don't actually know what it is maybe i should have been in a boy band maybe it would have helped if i had a tv honestly, appearance we the sound, next day <laughs> we sound so similar honestly what exactly what you're saying is exactly what i'm like it's exactly the same don't have an on button don't have an off button sorry don't know the difference between right and wrong just want to keep going and keep going and you know eventually you've just got to reach a point in your life where you think well you know I need to grow up a little bit you know 100% and I think also just like wanting to be the best person that you can be wanting to be healthy and wanting to achieve mm. and like I just couldn't achieve like everything I wanted to achieve in my life I couldn't wake up and feel like motivated and focused like it almost felt I was just like surviving mm. like even like going to the shop to get a pint of milk was a chore you know or yeah having to get up and go on the train to work was you know whereas if that if those minor things in your life are a struggle how can you ever achieve and and level up and actually do anything you know if you're constantly either drunk or hungover which is how it was alternating between I think fair play yeah that's 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 tough do you think 
since you've gone sober, you can see how much more you've achieved? Yeah, I think it has helped is sort of just my health in general, you know, just my sort of my actual, yeah, just my actual day-to-day health, you know. Do you feel more focused, more motivated or do you think you always were? I feel, obviously I feel fresh, you know, because we're not waking up with a hangover and, you know, also just, yeah, like stuff like my voice is better. Like, you know, I haven't got to worry about losing my voice every week because like drinking I'd go out and I'd drink and I might smoke and stuff like that and then like you know the next day I'd be like oh god my voice is awful I've got to go on live tv and I wouldn't be singing as well as I knew I could Mm. you know but I also feel like that's the same as loads of musicians you know it's like because they're burning the candle at at both ends so it's like you know how much better could they be if they didn't drink probably a lot better but Mm. um it's just a lifestyle you get wrapped in up up in I suppose but yeah I'd say just more just health-wise for me it's 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 benefited me and just feeling fresh every day you know yeah 100% well if there's any benefits health and waking up feeling fresh every day are definitely great things to gain through not drinking I would say 100% Absolutely. Absolutely. What advice would you give to anyone that's kind of listening and maybe struggling with their drinking? It's tough because a lot of my friends look at me and admire me and always say, I wish I could do what you did, Andy. Like, I wish I wish I could stop drinking. Like, you know, what you've done is amazing. Like, I take my hat off to you. Like so many of my friends say that to me. And, you know, it's hard to give anyone advice in that situation because, it's very difficult to just say to someone, oh, like, well, why don't you try it? You know, just stop drinking for like a week because, mm. you know, you don't know the problems they're having at work or the stress problems they're having at home. And you know what it's like, you know, so many people come home from a stressful day and have a glass of wine, you know, just to take the edge off. It's like, you know, it, it, it's relied on by millions of people, isn't it? Billions of people. So mm-hmm. for me, it's very difficult to give people advice in that way. I just think, you know, you ultimately just have to, make your own decisions and if you feel like drink is not affecting you in a positive way which for me it wasn't it wasn't affecting me in a positive way you have to you have to just stand up and and take responsibility I suppose and just say you know it's not affecting me in a positive way it's something that I have to cut out but that is a difficult thing to achieve very very difficult and I think as well like just knowing like it's okay to say it's not serving me, it's not affecting my life positively, I don't want to do it anymore, you know? Um, That it doesn't have to be this massive rock bottom moment. You don't necessarily have to have addiction issues. You don't have to have lost everything to actually say, do you know what? I actually don't feel the best that I can every morning because I drank the night before and Mm -hmm. I just don't want to do that anymore. Like I kind of feel like I just want people to know that it's okay not to do it if you feel like you don't want to. There doesn't have to be this pressure around it the whole time and for me personally like my life has got better like my social life has got better like I still love going out and I still and I have deeper friendships and I have a better relationship and I you know do sober and social full-time which obviously I couldn't do if I wasn't sober because that would not go down very well (laughs) (laughs) no absolutely and you know what it's about finding something to focus on as well isn't it you know what I mean? Something else to focus on, I think, can help. Is like, yeah. for me, it's like, you know, I, 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 so I, most of my time now is consumed by photography. Mm. So I like, I do, I, I take, um, I do campaigns and headshots for, for, for actors and musicians and stuff like that. And because I'm doing that all the time, it doesn't really ever give me a moment to think, oh, I'd love to have a drink because I'm just so consumed in something else Mm -hmm. so for me I feel like I know other friends I know who have gone teetotal they've devoted their lives to something else whether it be fitness the gym 
like a job, uh, you know, something like that. They, they're kids, you know, just so finding something else to to take up all your time, basically to take your mind off off that is 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 key. I think. Yeah, I agree. It's almost you've got to have like a bigger purpose than mm. wanting to go and get drunk. You know. Of course. I'm going to ask you one last question. Go on. What is your biggest life lesson that you have learned? I think just being in the music industry, I think the, the, the biggest lesson I've learned is just to basically treat, as you said earlier, just treat everyone how you would like to be treated, basically, because mm-hmm. the thing is, in this industry that I'm in, one minute you can be at the top of your game and the next minute you can be falling. So the thing is, if you haven't been nice to people on your way up, when you're on your way down and you try to reach out to people, you can get, well, no, because that that person wasn't very nice to me when they were, you know, when they were successful. And I was only a, a tea maker at a radio station, but now I'm the head of the radio station, you know, and, mm. and, and you know, so for me, that is the biggest lesson I've learned. And again, it come, you know, I feel like Lawson, that's why we've had such a long career, because I feel like we've made so many friends because, you know, whether you were a tea maker or whether you were just an intern, we were just friendly to everyone Mm -hmm. you know we just loved everyone we were never those guys that turned up thinking they they were the you know the god's gift that we used to we used to speak to everyone and make everyone feel welcome and i think that's helped us massively because we have came down you know we were signed and we were you know we were playing huge venues and now you know we're only signed to a small independent label releasing music off our own back and you know it's sort of we weren't as big as we once were but you know i know that i could email the head of a, a, a record label or the head of Spotify or the head of, you know, a radio station and ask for a favour and then think, yeah, the Lawson guys were, were bloody great. I'd, you know, I'd absolutely do you a favour. So for me, that's mm. the biggest lesson I've learned is always be nice to people on your way up. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Not even necessarily on your way up, just in general. Yeah, just be be a nice person, exactly. basically. Be a nice is, person. is the vibe of life. 100%. So what is next for, well, you independently, but also Lawson as a band? What is 2021? I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> going, <laughs> feels bizarre. It, it feels, feels like we didn't even have 2020. It feels so bizarre. It feels so bizarre. I think for, for us, you know, we're, we're going to go on tour. So Lawson are going to do a tour. So we're, you know, we've announced the tour for later in the year. We're playing Shepherd's Bush in, in, Liverpool, in Liverpool, in London, which is going to be awesome. And 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 also for me, you know, just to to sort of progress my photography career a lot more. So I've, as I say, I've been doing a lot of photography, a lot of headshots for actors and stuff. So that sort of takes up most of my time. And um, yeah, they're, they're the two main career goals, really, just to keep doing what we're doing, keep writing great music that we love, and and yeah, keep doing gigs and and just having fun basically and, and enjoying it, you know. Amazing, yeah. Well, that sounds like a good plan for twenty twenty one. God, it's so bizarre. I, I can't even say the number. <laughs> Well, well, I take it. Well, I, I, I was born in the eighties, and that to me is just is just seems so strange. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm born in the eighties. It's like, and now it's like 2021. I'm like I'm like a huge football fan, and I'll like cheer on Liverpool, and I'll you know like the, the best player in the team will be like 24, and I'll be like, <laughs> I'm nine years older than them. Like, how does that even make sense? I still see them as being like well older than me. Yeah, you know, sort of like the captain of Liverpool Football Club, captain of England, someone like Harry Kane, who's probably like in his twenties. And I'm like, it just doesn't make sense. It's just a crazy. And as you say, 2020 was just such a weird year, wasn't it? It was just the weirdest year ever. So glad to see the back of that. Let's hope that this uh, 
has more positive things in store. 100%. Um, I'm going to move you on to a quick fire round because I like to end all podcasts with a quick fire round. Great. Are you ready? Are you going to be quick? This is the lightning round and friends, yeah? Just first, first, first word that comes to mind, yeah? Kind of, yeah. Okay, go on. Busted or McFly? McFly. Night in or night out? Night in. Best gig you've ever played? Shepherd's Bush, 2018, Lawson. Okay, thank you. That that was the end of the quick fire round and you were... Well, that was quick. The quick fire round was quick and you were quick in the quick fire round. So. <laughs> <laughs> the best gig is a hard one because we've done a lot of amazing gigs. We've done so many and all over the world, you know, in like Asia and America and stuff. But yeah, at Shepherd's Bush, I think it was about, yeah, three years ago, that was... That was special. You'll have to come along to our next one. I'll get you some. I'll get you some tickets. Well, I'm glad you said that because I was about to invite myself. So yeah, we'll have a few waters. <laughs> you know, I'll line up the waters. You know, or like, are you like a lime and soda girl? Like, what, what, what? You know, what, what are you saying? I mean, if we're gonna have a cordial, I'd like elderflower cordial. So if you could put that, nice. If you could put that on the rider, I'd very much appreciate okay. it. I'll put some elderflower on the rider. <laughs> we'll get some sparkling water, some still water. It's gonna be wild. It's gonna be absolutely wild. You'll love it. Can we have some chopped limes as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, chopped limes, chopped lemons, whatever you want, we can have. Okay, amazing. I can't wait. I mean, it'll be such a joy to come to a gig again, I have to say. It's going to be great. You know what? It's just getting everyone together and just feeling the energy in just a live gig scenario. There's just no better feeling in the world. It's just electric, to be honest. And I think everyone has missed that um, over the last year. So yeah, let's just, let's just, I've got, I've also got some non-alcoholic gin. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've ever had that before. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you should see my drinks cupboard at home. If anyone was to come over, they would honestly think I'm an alcoholic if um, <laughs> if they didn't look at the labels. <laughs> yeah, I feel like sometimes like when we have guests, just giving them like non-alcoholic gin and tonic and don't tell them it's non-alcoholic, you know, and just see if they start acting drunk, you know, like like as a placebo or whether it's just like, you know what I mean? I've always been so I mean, it's, good, it's always a good game to play, isn't it, if you have dinner yeah. guests around? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. It has been an absolute pleasure um speaking you. to you. And I will see you at a Lawson gig. Yes, I'll see you there and we'll line up the waters and the elderflower. It's gonna be awesome. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Andy, for your insights and telling us more about your story. If you want to give him a follow, please do so on at Andy Brown official and at Lawson official. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, Kalenio, to get creative and make your own at home AF cocktails. Tune in next week for another Sober Sip. <laughs>